What is going on, movie lovers? Welcome back to another edition of No Content for Old Men. This is the podcast where every week I give you reviews of the latest movies and some streaming suggestions for your weekend. As always, I'm your host, Matt Craig. Thank you so much for listening. This week's show, we're talking about Pixar. They almost never miss. You guys know I love Pixar movies, uh, which you might find surprising if you also know my thoughts about other Disney properties. But hey, I love Pixar. And we're talking about Turning Red, their new release, which is only available right now on Disney+. Plus. Also, uh, as always, you know, your streaming suggestions. We're going to be talking about um, a reality show. What? Why would I talk about a reality show? Well, you'll find out <laughs> later in this episode, as well as a classic romantic comedy and a ode or a tribute to a actor gone well before his time. So you're going to want to stick around for another great episode. Uh, I want to mention off the top as well, you can get in touch with me at Mr. Matt Craig on Twitter or through my newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com to let me know what you think of any of these movies I'm about to recommend or to let me know about movies that you recommend that I should be watching in the upcoming week. So without further ado, let's talk about Pixar and Turning Red. There's very little drama in the review of any Pixar movie, which will always occupy the range between good and very, very good. There's never been a major production studio with as consistent a track record as the San Francisco-based animators, who have produced a commercially successful and inarguably high-quality movie every year since 1995, like clockwork, give or take maybe a Cars 3. So yeah, Turning Red is really good, still. That level of quality should not be taken for granted, considering the company's considerable talents are far less frequently deployed to tell coming-of-age stories of a young woman, in this case, and especially one of Chinese heritage. If movies for kids are to be considered continuing education, and I'd argue that they should, then this movie portrays really a pretty lovely picture of teenage friendship and familial love. In the case of the latter, especially with the cultural context described above, that love is often expressed through unrealistic expectations set by our protagonist's mother. And that provides the primary conflict for the plot, with the other being good old teenage angst, both of which are soon accelerated by her getting her first period, thus the movie's title. Of course, it's not exactly the most subtle metaphor to express a young girl's newfound adolescence as a giant red monster. In fact, it's the entire premise of the show Big Mouth on Netflix. But in classic Pixar form, the ambition here is far more broad than just the biological transition into womanhood. Outside one period scene, which Pixar deserves credit for including, but is presented much more as a if-you-know-you-know sort of thing, the big red panda our protagonist transforms into, which is actually triggered by any powerful emotion rather than a time of the month, is actually a stand-in for a teenager's authentic self, warts and all. Should she be proud of what makes her unique or try to fit in? It's a classic question in young adult fare. And it's the sort of perfect microcosm of Pixar's last five years, during which the focus has been on telling the stories of underrepresented communities in Coco, Mexican-American community, or just straight Mexican community, Seoul, the African-American community, and Luca, the LGBTQ community. The company has come to the shocking 
revelation that the base themes of love and belonging are relatable and can translate across cultural boundaries. Who knew? If Pixar wasn't so darn good at disarming viewers with its razor-sharp storytelling and abundance of sentimentality, a cynical person might even criticize them for painting with too broad a brush. However, the representation here is not only respectful and authentic to Chinese writer-director Domi Shi, it's also normalized within the multicultural world of early 2000s Toronto. Cultural identity is central to the story, but Chinese race is not presented as an other. And I applaud the movie for not stooping to the low hanging for the low hanging fruit of having the whole school hate the panda for its uniqueness. They actually love the panda, and now that I think about it, everybody more or less loves everybody here, which makes it almost a miracle that the movie is able to maintain a dramatic tension with such a lack of obvious conflict. Luckily, I've never had a problem with Pixar telling life-affirming stories. I'm on record as being a huge fan. Toy Story 4 was my number four movie of 2019, and that was a pretty good movie year. And Soul was my number six of 2020. Both of those movies made me tear up, which is a Pixar calling card. And though this one didn't, it still lays on its emotional manipulation thick. I suspect the emotional punch would have hit harder had my own teenage experience been a little more aligned with the characters here. I admit to not being Chinese, I am not being to not being a girl, and to not having an insatiable devotion to a boy band growing up. Still, the movie's ability to connect with me despite those things is a testament to the skill of Pixar's creators and the wide, wide bear hug of the Disney empire. Don't Google the uh, current D- Pixar Disney office warfare going on uh, if you want to fully buy into that partnership, <clears throat> but I digress. This movie can only be seen on Disney+, Plus, which is one source of that affirmation conflict, but if you're a subscriber, then I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anything else on the platform as good as this, other than other Pixar titles. So watch it this weekend and let me know what you think. Okay, every week I give you something new, something old, and something to stream. This week something new is on Netflix. It's a reality show, but slight twist. It's Formula One Drive to Survive. I'm a late adopter to this documentary series, which has been so successful, it transformed the entire sport of F1 and changed the way other sports looked at media access for their leagues. Golf and tennis have already announced similar series, for example. You don't need to watch any of the previous seasons. You don't need to know anything about Formula One to be sucked in immediately to this world of European glamour, colorful figures, incredible egos, controversial politics, and big, big money. The storytelling is simply awesome, balancing human interest stories with one of the tightest championship races in F1 history this year. They say sports is the greatest reality show. And this sport fully leaned into the idea of making it a reality show. I highly, highly recommend. Okay, this week's something old. It came out in 1970. It is Love Story. I've been trying for almost two years to find a way to watch this movie, which is inaccessible on any streaming platform or video on-demand library, despite the fact that back when it was released in 1970, it was a critical darling with seven Oscar nominations, a cultural force. Ali McGraw, the movie's lead, 
got launched into the stratosphere from a star perspective. And this movie was a box off box office smash hit. It made $106 million at the domestic box office in 1970 dollars. That's insane. In today's lens, or from today's lens, it's crazy to think that a quiet, weepy rom-com could be such a sensation. But today it would be, and kind of is, very much like This Is Us, which was a sensation in its own way. Its intention is absolutely to make you cry, and it's no spoiler to say that the doomed romance plotline here has been recreated dozens and dozens of times in the years since. I finally found the movie on a plane flight, of all places, and was reminded about the role of rom-coms as wish fulfillment. Yes, it's a sad movie, but the appeal of it is actually the fairy tale life that our lead lovers create for themselves, of course, until it all goes wrong. It's essential to remember the appeal of this genre as an extension of those animated Disney fairy tales we watched as little kids, or that Pixar people uh, are watching Pixar today, where we get to see on screen the magical lives we imagine for ourselves. And in that way, Love Story definitely succeeds. This week, Something to Stream is on Netflix. It's 21 Bridges. Now, knowing what we know now about Chadwick Boseman, seeing one of his final performances as a homicide detective in this action-heavy neo-noir is even more incredible. This movie knows exactly what it is and what it's trying to be, which is cool rather than smart. Boseman tries to solve a robbery case by, seriously, sealing off all 21 bridges into Manhattan, and then stumbles upon a conspiracy theory, or a corruption conspiracy that goes, yeah, dun-dun-dun, all the way to the top. As far as crime movies, uh, think Den of Thieves before you reach for something like Dog Day Afternoon. But that's not a bad thing in this case, because the movie breezes along at 99 minutes with action and scene-chewing supporting performances by no less than J.K. Simmons, Taylor Kitsch, who you may know as Riggins from Friday Night Lights, Sienna Miller, and If Beale Street Could Talk's Stefan James. The main takeaway here is, man, we did not appreciate Chadwick enough in his time. Rest in peace. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's show. As always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as I mentioned off the top, you can get in touch with me at Mr. Matt Craig on Twitter or through my newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com. On the newsletter, you will always uh, get a trailer watch, which is something I can't really translate into the podcast. This week's trailer watch is actually for a TV show, which is We Crashed. Uh, It's another one of those prestige miniseries on TV that's really actually just a movie, except now I have to spend eight hours watching it (laughs) instead of two, which is annoying, but... Uh, I love the WeWork book that I read. I love the story. And this series has Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. It looks really good. So you want to head over to the newsletter and uh, watch that trailer. You can also see my thoughts on it there. Um, And if you get in touch with me, you can also, yeah, uh, let me know what you guys are watching. I love hearing recommendations uh, from you back to me. I mean, come on. I give you recommendations every week. You know, you can't throw one my way. (laughs) Just kidding. Next week's show... Um, there's, there is one movie coming out I'm kind of interested in, which is X. I've actually heard it's pretty good. Um, but off the top of next week's show, I'm planning on, um, telling you all where you can stream all of the best picture movies, which uh, I think 
every single one or close to every single one is available for streaming. And that's important because the Oscars are finally, finally upon us uh, at the end of this month. And come next Friday, it will be a perfect time to revisit them. And, uh, you know, if, if the Oscar season is getting you excited, it probably isn't because this uh, season has gone on so long. But if you want to watch any of the big picture movies, uh, nominated movies, um, I will tell you where you can find them next Friday. So you'll want to tune in then. But guys, as I always say, until then, I guess I'll see you at the movies.